2: On News Radio 680 WPTF.
1: And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
3: And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. Well, there was an article that was talking about the battle of a broker's duty to their clients. And this has just been
1: in the news, topical, at least in financial
3: industry magazines.
1: It's happening again and again and again. The 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 story keeps coming up for regulatory Uh, control and then backs off it boils down upon this word fiduciary and fiduciary is a word that most people don't even know what it means but on the other hand the regulators know very much what it means and the article and the regulators are trying to make the public aware that there is a difference between those people out there who are fiduciaries and those who are not fiduciaries and that distinction is is large it's it is and then the question comes well is the person you're dealing with a fiduciary well first of all what is a fiduciary
3: someone who is going to be legally responsible or liable has, has for- to be
2: has to put the client's interests ahead of his own
1: that's exactly right that's exactly right linda fiduciary is a person who by law must put the client's interest before their own and then there is this other standard called know your client rule or you know your customer rule or suitable investments. Stockbrokers are not fiduciary. So the article wanted to let you know that there are two standards, one for stockbrokers and one for advisors and brokers are not fiduciaries. They must recommend what's called suitable products, not necessarily the best or the cheapest products. On the other hand, the advisors who are fiduciaries must put client's interest ahead of their own, and under the current rules, you know, a broker only has to make sure that such and such a product is suitable. He might be wanting to sell an annuity that comes with a nice high commission for him. On the other hand, an advisor who's regulated as a fiduciary, he would be required by law to recommend something less pricey if it was better for the client, whereas the broker would not. But you know, and that th- th- this th- this standard is is still being fought over. I mean, the regulators keep coming close to it, and then they back away and coming close to it. And and there is a demand, so there is still a battle raging. But I don't think the battle hits the total uh, nut. The, the kernel. The, the kernel isn't isn't really. That's part of it. Yes, that's part of it. Fiduciary or not fiduciary, broker. Or advisor.
3: If you want to call us during the week to set up an appointment for yourself, give me a call at 919-872-7000 and we will get started. We'll make a list of the questions that are on your mind.
1: How do you determine what is the status of the person you're dealing with? And of course, the SEC and FINRA have both brought this issue to the public, but they haven't solved it. And the first dividing line is between brokers and registered investment advisors. Brokers are not required to put the interest of the client ahead of themselves. A registered investment advisor is. So that's the first thing to to find out is the person you're dealing with, a registered investment advisor, also called an RIA. And that's very easy to find out. How do you find that out, Debs? Uh, The ADV. Exactly. Why don't you tell our listeners what the ADV is?
3: Okay. It's the form, the advisory form, stands for advisor, and it's what you file as a financial advisor with the SEC, and it will give your history and tell about what kind of services you offer. It will talk about what you provide for clients, and it will distinguish whether or not you are a financial planner or a full-fledged
1: Yeah, the ADV ADV is is the starting Point, because the ADV, the form ADV is required of every registered investment advisor and it is not required of brokers. And the form ADV is required of registered investment advisors because they are fiduciaries.
2: It tells what your background is, your uh, experience, your, your fees, fees, your services. Your experience. All yeah, right, but that's exactly. the beginning
1: point now. Okay, and this is why I said it doesn't hit the, – the article didn't hit the, the, the bullseye because once you've determined that you're dealing with an RIA, an investment advisor, now you need to find out, is this person a money manager or a true financial planner, a person who is uh, giving you advice? Because many RIAs are not in the business of selling advice. They are simply money managers, And so the way you find that assets
2: under management,
1: yes, and, and the way you find that question, you get the answer to that question, Linda, is you ask, do you take control of my money or not? Are you going to go ahead? You know, many people call themselves fee-only financial planners. That's that's a, it's, it's sort of a cute term out there now. It really is a term used by money managers who have you sign a power of attorney in which they take control of your money. They are required to go ahead and act on your behalf and your best interest, but they're really buying and selling without you being involved, and that may not be what you want. So that's the question. Are you going to take control or not control of my money. Another is that question,
2: what you call discretion?
1: It is discretionary account. Am I giving up discretion over to you, my money manager? And then the next question is, do you sell wrap accounts? Many of these fee-only planners are actually putting money in what's called wrap accounts, and wrap accounts are accounts where mutual funds are wrapped with one fee platform, and it's very expensive. Very expensive. I don't think wrap accounts are uh, a very prudent way to go into your financial planning. Uh, And then the last question to find out is what are you going to be charging me for? Are you charging me for advice by the hour? If I want to talk about my taxes, if I want to talk about my mortgage, if I want to talk about all the financial advice that you want, are you going to be charging me for cash
2: flow, estate planning, investment advice?
1: Right. Or are you just going to be charging me for money management? So that's the issue, I think, that's out there. Uh, it hasn't been solved, but it's a big problem. And at least the regulators keep uh, bringing it to the public. Well, and as Deborah said, the articles are hitting the financial presses almost weekly now.
2: And this was a smart money report. And um, the as you said, Doug, the issue is still there. And it uh, it hasn't been solved, but... It's something that will be
3: revisited again and again. If you'd like further information, call us at 919-872-7000 or go to our website, DougAndLinda.com. That's com. Vic, Doug
1: Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, how can I help you?
4: I'm going to be uh, selling stock in a company in the next couple of weeks as uh, one of the major stockholders. It's going to be a cash settlement. Uh-huh. Be a significant amount of money and uh I am not up to date on the current capital gains situation and whether or not I can reinvest it and not pay the capital gains or how I can minimize my tax burden.
1: Yeah, uh you need to be up to date because it, it may have an enormous uh effect one way or the other. Give me some numbers, Vic. I can I can help you with it. Uh, first of all, is it a C Corp or an S Corp?
4: Uh it's a S Corp.
1: It's an S Corp and you're the uh, uh, the majority shareholder?
4: No, I'm uh, I'm a majority st- shareholder, but less than 50%. We're looking at about three-quarters of a million dollars here.
1: All right. That's your portion or that's the entire? No, that's, that's my portion. That's your portion. Uh, is it going to be an asset sale or a stock sale?
4: Uh, it's an asset sale.
1: It makes an enormous difference if your buyer can be prevailed upon to buy with cash the stock rather than just the assets. A huge difference.
4: What is the difference?
1: Ah, uh, the difference may be as much as half. Oh, uh,
4: that's a significant difference.
1: Yeah, um, let's go through the numbers a little bit, and I'll see if I can help you. It's about a three quarter million dollar uh, settlement. To me, yes. To you, and what's the basis? Is there any basis at all left?
4: No, there, there'll be no, There's no basis.
1: All right. <coughs> First thing you have to realize is there will be about uh, one hundred and seventy three thousand dollars.
4: And when is that due? Uh,
1: that's due immediately. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, but then in addition to that. There will be another tax which I can't compute with you over the air, but it may be as much as between half and that amount again, uh, at the corporate level, and that depends upon. I have to go ahead and look at your S corporation AAA account balance to find out retained earnings and so forth. Mm-hmm. That number at the office, by the way, is nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. Now. The bad news is, let's say, ballpark, who knows, you might be uh, losing about 260000 out of the seven hundred and fifty, and you might end up with $490,000, okay? All right, now, let's go through the numbers for a little bit, and I can show you how you can avoid the, the, the taxes. Uh, first of all, you take one position, and you say, if I have $750,000, and if I could somehow magically keep all of it, then how much could I reinvest and get out of it? So let's say that you could go ahead and reinvest the whole 750, mm-hmm. all right, and you could put it into mutual funds that historically have shown you a 10% uh, um, total return. Sure. All right, Kay. so 750000 there times your 10%, all right, that's a $75,000 annual, at least starting out. Right. All right. The other way, if you ended up with, let's say, $490,000. Well, that's just awful. Yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. isn't it? Okay. Hey. So the difference then in terms of the growth, might be $49,000 versus 75,000, okay? Mhm. All right. Now, if you go ahead and you establish a 664 tax-free trust, you can transfer the stock before you sell it into this trust. Now the whole $750,000 of stock is in the trust. You with me? Right. Your buyer can buy it he can buy the stock if he will buy the stock then the whole 750 that he pays you will end up in this trust without any taxes at all that's because a 664 trust qualifies as a charitable non-taxable entity because you are setting up this trust designed in such a way that after a period of time one day it will go either to a charity a nonprofit a university or a family charitable foundation that period of time can be as long as you want it can be after you are you are you married yes sir it can be after both you and your wife are, have passed away it can even go into the lives of children that's the best story now the next question is well what happens to the money inside the trust if you're able to do it this way right right, right the trustee We'll invest it and control it. So the real question is, who will be the trustee? My advice is, and the kind that I do for my clients, I make you the trustee. It's a self-trustee trust. So you basically give the stock from your left hand to your right hand, and then your right hand sells the stock, and your right hand pays no taxes. Your right hand reinvests the money. And now the $75,000 that first year is accumulating in your trust, just like a retirement plan.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Now, how old are you? Uh, 49. 49 years old. The rules on retirement plans, as you know, say that under age 59 and a half, if you take money out, you have to pay a 10% penalty. Right. In such a retirement plan as a 664 trust, you do not. You can take money out under age 59 and a half and pay no penalty. Also, you can leave it in after age 70 and a half, which you can't with the other kind of retirement plan. And again, pay no penalty. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you wanted to leave it in there for the next 10 years. You're 49 now. Let's say you wanted to leave it to your 59. Because you say you don't need it to live on?
4: I don't need it to live on now. You know, the other part of that scenario is if I could reinvest it, uh, maybe I could turn it two or three times.
1: Yes. For example, using that 10%. Times the uh, the um the seven hundred fifty thousand dollars one two three four five six seven eight nine ten in ten years that would be about two million.
4: But who ultimately gets the money then?
1: You and your wife will get all the income off it. Right. All the growth of the principal, if you want.
4: Right. When you work real hard, and then somebody comes in and and confiscates uh, two thirds of what you've made. Right. (laughs) Um, You know that's not only is it frightening, but it also. uh, can, can tend to infuriate somebody.
1: It can, and it can be a strong deterrent. Unfortunately, I had right. a real, I had a real sad one. I've had a number of these. I do an awful lot of these type of, of six sixty four trusts, and I like them. I think they're one of the most powerful vehicles in the world. But very few people know how to work with them, and then those few that do do not understand the power of being your own trustee. Mm-hmm. That's sure. the crucial issue.
3: If you have a question and would like to ask it either after hours or have me call you back after the show, feel free to call the office. 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. In
1: other words, universities and charities and hospitals promote these to their, you know, to their, uh, their benefactors. Their alumni and all that. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, but they basically say, give us. Your stock yeah. will be in control, and will go ahead and do it tax-free for you and then give you a basically a retirement income for the rest of your lives. Right. But the investment then is out of your control. Now, the social capital portion, there isn't a person out there who's trying to whack away at you. It's basically your obligation to go ahead and uh help society, if you will. The problem is it's that the loss of control for most people, they just let their social capital be used through the tax vehicle right on the other hand you do have the right under current law to direct your social capital even if you can't keep it and the power to direct the social capital becomes a very very significant um a tool that you can use to leave a lasting influence on your community to make more for yourself more for your family to benefit more. If you think about that 260,000, let's say that was going to go away. And by the way, it's not only that tax. There's another tax that happens after your death. You see? Right. So then you got that last piece that's going to go. Well, whatever that total number is, trace it in your mind, if you will, about where it goes. It's going to be taken up through taxes and then it's going to, there'll be bureaucratic levels taken off it. And then it's going to go to help some areas of the economy or of society, if you will. Uh, there's nobody there who's just eating it all up after the bureaucrats get it. It's, it's going to go either and either house the poor or the elderly or take care of the common good of, of, the, of, of society. Supposedly. Supposedly. <laughs> uh, yes,
2: indeed, supposedly. Ultimately, yeah. that's
1: right. And that's exactly right. But, you know, you have the right to become what we call an economic citizen, a person who regains control of your social capital. Mm-hmm. And that really touches upon the area of personal significance because some people – accomplish success early in life, and others work most of their lives to accomplish it. But in either case, once success is accomplished, and yes, you've accomplished your own degree of success, then the human seems to strive for an even greater accomplishment, which we call personal significance. You know, for a selected few, significance is attained, you know, by political careers and military career. But for most people, however, philanthropy is the ultimate path to ongoing significance,
4: yeah, because you you can share, you can help a lot more people, and you're swinging with a little bit bigger bat. That right, right.
1: right. right. <laughs> and if you if you grasp this concept of a of a six sixty four charitable trust, then you can go ahead and personally and powerfully impact your own community by directly supporting the services and the institutions that are going to, going to perpetuate the principles and the values that most accurately reflect your own values. You see what I'm saying? In other words, in effect, you can become a philanthropist one of two ways. Either by paying taxes, mm-hmm. you default to the government, and you're a philanthropist that way. Or you can be certain uh that the uh the the the, the goals that you have in your own values are actually accomplished.
4: So with the six sixty four trust, you become your own bureaucrat.
1: That's exactly right. You become your own bureaucrat and you direct where you want to have the greatest influence upon society. Right. For some people it may be a uh, Habitat for humanity or cancer research, or a a, f- a perpetual foundation in your own name that would go on to educate children f- uh, of of lesser means from another country, or whatever it is that has uh, deep feelings for you,
4: but to be clear about this, then let's say as an example that the interest that was generated off of this six sixty four trust was, yes. took a number of say ninety thousand a year. yes, that would uh, that would accrue directly to me,
1: yes, right. It all can go to you in one of two ways. It can go to you immediately. And by the way, it's paid to you by the trustee. So be comfortable. You're the trustee, okay? Right. Right. All right. But number two, it can accrue and compound and be paid to you later on when you need it more, which gives it the ability to grow into a larger principle. Right. And even that growth in the principle can come out and go to you. Right. So you basically control it. You need to have a couple of pieces in play. You need to have what's called an independent third-party administrator who does the tax reporting to the IRS that shows you're not paying playing any hanky-panky. Right. Uh, but if you have that in place, you can indeed be your own trustee, and you can go ahead and really uh, use this thing in a wonderful way. Well, I certainly appreciate your time.
2: If you want to call us at the office, the number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's USA 7000. And thanks for your call, Vic.
4: Okay, terrific. Well, have a good evening.
2: All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, Doug, there was another interesting article uh, that was in Financial Advisor magazine. And the title of this article was Rules of Dumb.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Rules of Dumb. Uh, That probably was referencing Chuck Chaffee at the uh, Market Watch. He had written an article, said, Seven Rules of Thumb That Make Little Sense. And what he was referring to was the blanket advice that so often is given to consumers. I mean, you know, some people who call themselves advisors, Linda, use rules that just dumb down the profession, you might say. Kind of, things like this, like um, subtract your age from 100 to determine the percentage of stock in your portfolio. Bad, bad rule of dumb. Plan on spending 75% of your current income during retirement. I mean, these are nonsense things. Uh, purchase five times your annual income in life insurance. Uh, save 10% of your income while you're working. All these little quick, quick rules. Uh, hopefully, no real financial planning professional like uh, would actually be doing them. But there were other things that are really uh, sort of... Concerning, right now, a lot of people say, a lot of planners are saying, take 4% of your portfolio. It's a safe withdrawal rate, and that's how much should be coming out to support you. That is extremely impractical.
2: And why, why is that, Doug?
1: Well, although people say it, and there's a lot of articles now that are, that are quoting it. It just doesn't work. Planning for each individual situation is the only way to do it. It's got to be on a case-by-case basis. Everybody is different. You need to be planning for each individual client. Then you need to be reviewing it on a regular basis. And then on the basis of what is needed by that client, that's how much you take you determine. out. Determine would be a safe
2: withdrawal rate. That's
1: what you take out. You don't just go ahead and automatically set up a, let's do a 4%. That's not financial planning. A one-size-fits-all. Right. (laughs) No, that doesn't work. And that's one of the uh, rules of dumb, I guess you might say.
3: You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call 919-872-7000 or visit our website, dougandlinda.com.
1: There's another thing, and I've seen this myself, where it says wealthy people don't need financial planning. Middle class people can't afford it. What do you think about that?
2: Well, uh, we must disagree (laughs) (laughs) on both counts. Because there are many fine financial planners who bill for their services hourly, and they do specialize in middle class clients. Like us. So, to suggest that wealthy people don't need planning is just simply
1: wrong. Because that's not understanding what planning is. The wealthier the individual, the more complicated his or her exactly. ass, uh, issues are. <laughs> so, another one of those dumb statements, the wealthy don't need it and middle class can't, can't afford, afford it. it. That's uh, wrong. Another you know, thing, people
2: spend money on a lot of things, on what they want, and... If you if you if you stop and think about it, planning, you know, when you accumulate assets over your lifetime, it's worth it to pay for advice to get answers to your questions.
1: Yeah. Another one of those uh, uh, quick little answers that people uh, look for and they hear high allocation to bonds will reduce risk. And that's really wrong also. I mean, it just depends on how you define risk. But, I mean, I've seen all kinds of illustrations showing how fast you can run out of your money. If you live one day beyond that date on your screen, then did you reduce risk or not? No, that's bond allocations do not necessarily reduce risk.
2: Running out of money before you run out of life.
1: (laughs) That's the way some people define it. I, I don't, obviously, I don't agree with that. Another thing is you hear this like accumulating wealth is the major purpose of financial planning. That's just wrong. That is just, uh, that's not true because as financial planners, we need to take the time to truly understand our clients' goals and wishes and then help them develop and follow the plan that gets them to where they want to be. Accumulating a large estate to leave to a legacy may be what they want, but to assume that everybody wants to die rich is not true financial planning i that's just not what it's all about there's some of our clients who could care less and they really are are much more interested in enjoying the maximum type of financial independence while they are in their retirement years and then letting it go to charity afterwards and gifting
2: uh planning strategies for gifting whether it be to their children or to uh their alma mater etc but uh Whatever the situation may be, it is important, isn't it, Doug, to uh, to work with a certified financial planner that can help you plan your life. Because what we do in financial planning is we prepare financial plans to assist people in looking at what are their present goals, what are their future goals, and how to arrive at financial independence.
1: It's really personalized. It has to be personalized.
2: Definitely. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and
3: Linda Lewis, Sun News Radio 680 WPTF. And if you need advice, call me during the week, 919 872 7000. That's 919 872 7000. Hi, Dean. This is Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner.
5: Hello, Deborah. How are you doing?
3: Doing well.
5: I wonder if you could explain the difference to the uh, audience, what the difference between a, uh, what is it, a financial, uh, you're a uh, certified financial manager, and the difference uh, of the uh, licensed portfolio manager.
3: Sure, well, I can tell you what I am. I'm a certified financial planner, and that's an educational designation. So in my situation I went through a 2 year program with uh seven areas to study and then at the end took an exam so it's an educational designation.
1: You can only you can only get that designation. It's sort of like a masters or a PhD degree. You can only get it after you have a college degree and it takes 2 years of courses. Studying not only investments but also let's see um, income taxes, absolutely
3: retirement plans,
1: retirement plans, yeah, estate plans,
5: insurance, okay,
1: insurance. So you do uh, do you do a
5: uh, portfolio management as well, then?
1: Oh, you have to study portfolio management quite a bit. The, so that's all part of the education. Now, that's what a certified financial planner is. I have been a certified financial planner for about... Uh, Since 1985.
2: 1985.
1: I have to remember. I was one of the early ones in the United States. Uh, but that is a designation. And the exam to pass it is a two-day examination. Yes. And over 50% of the people that take it fail it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, it's, a so very, it's a very difficult examination to get. Now, that's a certified financial planner. That's education. That's knowledge. Uh, as far as a licensed portfolio manager, there's really no such thing. So I'm not exactly sure what you mean by a licensed portfolio manager. Help me understand where your confusion is. Oh, I
5: just I wasn't sure what what the difference was. I was just uh, all right. Well, the, uh, well, then
1: let me yeah let me go on a little further. Then the certified financial planner that's an educational degree. Okay. Okay. It's sort of like you graduate from college. You go to law school and you get a law degree. It doesn't say that you make a living as a lawyer just yet. It just says that you've got a law degree. If you happen to go to New York City, a lot of times you can get into a taxi and find out the taxi driver, he got a law degree, but he couldn't get a job as a lawyer, so he's making more money as a taxi driver. So the educational degree is one thing. That's the first thing. How does the person make a living and Experience. here is what here's what we do. Okay. We are of course we do have the educational designation. Yes, we do. Both Deborah, my daughter, and myself, we do. But how we make a living is we are regulated to give investment advice, which is on the on behalf of the investor, on setting up an investment portfolio, how to build the proper portfolio, how to go ahead and achieve uh, the That's safest how, yeah, portfolio. Yeah.
3: Achieve your financial goals. You know, um, How old are you, Dean? Uh, 62. 62. Okay, so at 62, you're not thinking, wow, I just graduated from college. I wonder how much money I'm going to be able to save for my first job. You're thinking about retirement, Right.
5: Well, yes, yeah, so yeah.
3: Right, right. So, if you're 62 and are you retired? I didn't even ask you.
5: No, I'm still working. I don't plan on retiring soon. Okay,
3: <laughs> all right. Uh, but it's someone. It's it's getting to know the client and 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 finding out their situation. What's your situation?
5: Oh, uh, I I uh, am a uh, project manager.
1: All right. What's I your? Yeah, my what,
5: own IRA.
1: All right. And what's your income, Gene?
5: Uh, it's still about six digits a year. I'm sorry. About, about six, six th- digits a year. All
1: right. So your income is a hundred is is a hundred thousand. Yes. All right. And have you have you accumulated any portfolio outside of retirement funds?
5: Uh, I manage my own IRA.
1: All right. Well, that's a retirement fund. I'll come back to that one next. All right. How about manage? How about any investments? through the years that you've been working that are not in IRAs or 401ks or anything like that?
2: Like stocks, bonds, mutual
1: funds? Oh, no. No. Okay. So, all of your investments so far have been inside of some type of retirement plan like an IRA. That's correct. All right. And how about in a 401k? Anything in a 401k? No. Okay. So, everything is in your IRA. All right. And you manage your own.
3: If you don't have a certified financial planner to work with, if you haven't met with a certified financial planner, call me, Deborah Lewis at Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000. It might be the most important call that you make this year. 919-872-7000.
1: How much is in your IRA? Uh, it's about 100000 About a $100,000. And you're still working Are you now? You're not. You're not spending everything. Are I I don't think you have any any children at home still, do you? No. Okay. So it's just you and your wife. That's correct. All right. So of your income, how much are you having left over each month to help put away towards your retirement?
5: Uh, Approximately three to five hundred a month.
1: Okay. So you're spending almost all of your hundred thousand dollar income, except three hundred dollars a month. Oh
5: no, 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 no! I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, what was the question again? Okay, how much, how
1: all much right. Is if you're, if you're making yeah, if you're making over a hundred thousand dollars a year, and it's just you and your wife, I presume that you have a lot left over each month. Oh yes, yes. So that was my question. How much is left over each month?
5: Uh, probably about uh yeah, about three four hundred dollars. But I'm also putting that much in. What on top of that?
1: Where
3: where are you putting the money? Setting Back it aside.
5: My IRA. Uh,
3: okay, all right. Well, the uh, I think where Doug was going was is when one has extra income that's left over at the end of the month after we've paid our living expenses, then the idea would be to have money set aside in retirement accounts. And then this extra three to five hundred that's left over in the month, have it set aside in a personal portfolio. So if you want to give me a call during the week, my number is nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand, and um, we can talk a little bit about what some of your options might be. If you are able to accumulate, you know, if you're not planning on retiring anytime soon, that gives you ten years, you know, maybe that where you could set aside five hundred dollars a month.
1: Well, I think he's got a problem, Deborah. I think What's that? at sixty. Two years old, if he has not saved anything in any investment portfolio other than his IRA, and the IRA only has a hundred thousand dollars, he needs to seriously hone in on on, the living build, expenses. on, on building an investment portfolio to, yeah. to, to su- support him and his wife when he does retire because uh, you don't have a lot of extra years to go backwards and redo it is that again. really where
3: the concern is coming in yeah, Gene? well
1: that's why he needs a certified financial planner.
3: Is that really why the the concern and the why you were calling tonight?
5: Like what? Uh, yeah, I was just kind of interested in uh, you know looking into the investment planner. So
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, definitely you give me it, a call. Family?
5: in the Raleigh area? We are.
3: And we're real easy to get to right off the Beltline, Quail Corners area. And, Gene, if you'll call me just after the show, I'll um, I'll stop by the office like I always do. And if I have some time, I'll just give you a call back and we can just pick through some numbers or tomorrow. See but what my times number, are available. My, for- number, my number is 919-872-7000. And, you know, what would be good, too, Dean, is just to write down your
2: questions and... Um, you know it. It is uh, a retirement is around the bend, so you need to get s- some assistance uh, to help you so that you can reach whatever your goals are in retirement.
1: Yeah, Linda. Linda will be able to go ahead or Deborah and tell you what dates are available for appointments to meet with us, and then you can get true individual non-sales advice about how to go on and achieve your goals.
2: Well, Doug, what about? <laughs> Simple index funds.
1: There's a real story that's starting to surface, Linda. You know, index funds for a long time have been hailed as a great way for solid performance, low fees, transparency. I have never been in favor of index funds, but that's that's really what's been out there as uh, the uh, the the attraction to them. Right now, studies are starting to surface that the index funds themselves may be complicating the market, uh, actually destabilizing the market. And that's because there is so much movement amongst the index funds. So it's sort of like a bunch of fish now that are are moving in uh, together, sort of like a school, move to the left, move to the right. All the index funds are now moving up and down together, according to several studies, and that actually is self-defeating. Then you're no longer getting a true uh, performance of the market. Now, personally, I don't ever think you should have index funds, because I'd like to see a manager whose goal is beating the index, not just riding the index, and that's the way i think you should be selecting your funds by selecting managers how they have done against indexes but right now this whole story of index funds and etfs being a destabilizing factor it's it, it's sort of like there there is so much that can move so fast now investors they've got itchy fingers they can quickly move in 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 nanoseconds in and out Really
2: complicating the markets. Yeah, Mm. so
1: you don't have a true picture. So I'm 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 glad to see the negative stories that are coming out about be careful Index funds and ETFs may not at all be what you think they are and may not be to your financial health.
3: This is Deborah Lewis of Lewis Financial Management. Call us at 919 872 7000 to speak about your situation and to set up an appointment. 919 872 7000. That was an article in the Wall Street Journal.
2: That
1: came it? from the Wall Street Journal and that was, uh, what's his name? Jason somebody or the Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the guy who always hears he writes really good articles. That was Jason Zweig who came up with that story.
2: So you're saying that uh, you do not favor ETFs?
1: No, because ETFs are the exact opposite. Funds. Yeah, I think we should have we should have our money in the hands of managers who are using fundamental research. Why they feel in their portfolio? Why they might like John Deere? But or why they might like Caterpillar, or why they might like Microsoft. Not, let's start timing, in and out, in and out, in and out. That is, you know, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. And that's what ETFs are. ETFs actually move as a stock. It's like a mutual fund, but they're being traded as stocks. They're exchange-traded funds is what they are. So I don't like the ETFs, and I don't like the index funds, I think that we should really have a much more logical way of selecting, and it should be my managers who are competing with indexes.
2: So don't be confused by all of what's happening, right?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of marketing going out there saying, you know, you can do it yourself. Just uh, get a whole bunch of ETFs or get a whole bunch of index funds or wrap them in a wrap account and uh, we'll play with them for you.
2: Trade on your own. You can make a lot of money, fast money. Financial planning is more than just your investments, isn't it, Doug? It is. And, and so we need to look at all of the aspects That's of right. your financial world, not just the investment portion.
1: That's crucial. That's crucial. When you get really right down to it, when they meet with us in our office, Linda, many of the times when you ask them to give a list of questions, what do they want to address today? It may be, what about my mortgage? should I refinance or not refinance my mortgage? Uh, it may be, uh, what about my kid's college? Uh, I've got money in a 529 plan. Should I continue or not continue towards their college? Uh, it may be, uh, what about my insurance? We hear that a lot, you know. Uh, or should I, what about this annuity sales pro- that, that, that I've been listening to? Does that make sense? There's so many other you know, issues. And there's
2: also a lot of folks that... Uh a lot of parents that have been so diligent over their lifetime supporting their children and they didn't plan well they didn't plan as probably as well as they could have because they've been paying for their college education for all their children and they're sitting on a lot of equity in their home and it, and it's it's very common for us to see that you know a lot of folks think well we're going to downsize and, uh, but we don't have enough to live on in retirement.
1: And so, what do I do?
2: So, what do I do? Right. And some people just don't realize that maybe you can rent instead of buy.
1: Boy, that, shocked, house. that shocks a lot of people. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it, though.
2: <laughs> Shock their socks off. Okay. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. And if you've got questions about your situation, you can call us at our office during the week. In Raleigh at 919-872-7000. It's USA 7000 at Lewis Financial Management.
1: Chuck, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. We're the Lewis family. How can we help you this evening?
6: Hey, good evening, folks. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Hey, so um, I've been uh, a loyal listener, you guys, for a couple of years now. And I just want to say thank you again. I've learned so much just from listening You have conversations with other people, so I I really appreciate the education that you offer all of us.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thank you.
6: Um, And I and I'm probably I'm so late on calling you guys that I need to call you guys, but I'm just gonna let me just ask you about this one question anyway. Go ahead. Um, So the one thing that I do know about my savings right now is that I have. Woefully inadequate in terms of saving outside of the 401k. Okay. And I've heard you talk about this before, Doug. All right. So, um, so my question is this, and I'm trying to figure out. Right now, um, I'm only, my, my employer matches, uh, I put in about, I put increase 1% every year. So I'm at 9% right now on my 401k. They match 50, per, 50 cents out of every dollar, up to 6% of my salary. All right, but the reason I put, I'm i putting 9% right now is kind of a forced savings. It helps me save, I guess, be more diligent, I guess, for lack of a better term. Okay. Um, so, my question here is that I want to start establishing some savings outside of the 401k, but I'm trying to understand what the, the right percentage is and how to start it.
1: All
4: right.
6: I'm looking for some guidance on that.
1: Sure. Let me ask you a few questions, then I answer the question for that you put in front of me. How old are you, Chuck?
6: 49
1: Forty nine, married or single?
6: Married, two kids, fourteen and five.
1: Married, two kids, fourteen and five. All right, wife working or or stay or not working?
6: Full time mom, so she's working.
1: All right. All right, well, I was going to ask for the income. Then you're not paying her. (laughs) Okay, what's your your salary? (laughs) Uh,
6: It varies a little bit on the top end, depending on the bonus, but about one hundred and
1: twenty. About one hundred and twenty income, and how much is in the four hundred one k at present?
6: So I have a self directed IRA from prior uh, employers about three hundred thousand. All right, and my current one I have right now uh, with my current employer is about.
1: 79. All right. And this is the one that you're adding, you, that you are putting in 9% and they're matching you 50% of 6% or they're matching you three, matching you on 3%. Yes, sir. Okay. Do you have anything so far in non-retirement?
6: Yes, I do. Um, very small amount in equities. I have about 6,000 in equities and, um, about $25,000, excuse me, 27000 in kind of a cash emergency fund.
1: All right. Well, it's really interesting. If you had told me that you were 64 years old, then I would have said this looks extremely bleak. But because you've told me that you're 49 years old, this looks ext- extremely attractive and it is able to be fixed. Yes, it needs to be fixed, no doubt about it. All right, now, here's what you've told me about yourself. Number one, you're able to go ahead and put in 9% of your income towards your future.
3: And on the high side, that'd be $10,800, Doug.
1: All right. That's very nice. Now, the next thing you've told me is the reason you're doing it the way you're doing it is because if I don't see it, I can't touch it. It's for savings. Yep. All right. Now, I don't know. I'll ask this one question before I go to the rest of my answer. Do you have a spending problem? Um, do you Do you and your wife? Does your family have a spending problem?
6: You know, it, I I don't. Th- we'll put it this way: It's not like um, we're hitting the overdraft on the checking or anything like that. But I think our our challenge is that we don't have a budget.
1: All right, then here's what I'm going to say. Number one, you do need to go ahead and call the office and schedule an appointment to meet with either me or Deborah. The office number is nine one nine. Eight seven two seven thousand. Before you come in, we're going to want you to have a list of questions. And one of your questions, of course, is going to be focused right around this. How do we get our budget established? All right. But then number two, here's the way that you, we will approach it with you. We want to find out what are the living expenses. And then we're going to find out which of those expenses are recurring monthly expenses. And then we're going to go ahead and have you set up what we call a pay-yourself-first plan, which says... Everything that is over your money coming in versus your recurring money going out, that surplus that needs to be redirected into a mutual fund that you and we will choose
3: to do exactly what you need is that forced savings that I don't see it. I don't spend it
1: exactly. we're going to it's going to disappear from your checking account at the beginning of every month, just like it's presently disappearing okay however we're also going to have you reduce your 401k down to six percent because that means you're still getting free money at that point from your boss
6: yeah but, but, but,
1: but I he's t- matching 50 percent up to your contribution of six
6: okay all right because so, what, what I'm trying to determine is that so money that's being saved outside of the 401k then future withdrawals I guess I'm trying to determine from a tax perspective.
1: All right, don't don't to go there just yet. Never let the tax tail wag the dog. Focus on financial independence, becoming a middle class millionaire, and doing it the proper way. So here's why. You want to go ahead and yes, reduce the 401k contribution down to 6% because your boss is giving you uh, 3% free money to match that. Beyond it, that extra 3% is going to be part of what's going into your pay-yourself-first plan, into your present investment portfolio that needs to be set up. Let me
3: interject just one thing, Doug, and that is this. Chuck, that 3% that would not be going to the 401k on a monthly basis is $300. So it becomes very doable. $300 becomes the base for your pay
1: yourself first. Now, to, to put it in perspective from the tax side, what you said
3: call me, Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner at Lewis Financial Management. 919 872 7000. 919 872 7000.
1: Basically, we are moving in the same direction that you're presently moving in. I hope that we're going to find more than just that extra $300 when we do the budget and the living expense analysis. But my point is, you want to have, you should have at the present time, $379,000 accumulated in non-investment assets, and you don't. You only have 32000
3: You want 33,000? size pockets. And
1: here's why. When you finally decide to pull the plug and leave your employment and retire, whether it be at age 55 or 60 or whatever age that you do, then you're going to find out what you take from your, from your IRA and 401k is tax double of what you take from the other one. So at that time, you're going to want the biggest one to be the non-IRA, the non-401k and you must always be looking forward to the tax situation, then, not just the tax situation now. That's why I say you don't let the tax tail wag the dog. That's
6: but, a good point. If you're if you're paying taxes, that means you're making money.
1: That's exactly <laughs> right. You're making money, <laughs> and you're and you're and you're accumulating, Chuck. <laughs> and the best news is you're only forty nine. That's right. Which means you've, you've got, got maybe twenty years, maybe ten to fifty nine. Uh, We will see when we meet together. We'll pick a year and see when you can make it.
6: Well, I tell you, if you can, if you can get me holding a fishing pole full time in sixteen years, that would be a nice thing.
1: Sounds good to me. The fact that you
3: said sixteen is—you'll get there. You will. You will. Call us on Monday or tonight. I uh, will be going by the office. It's 919-872-7000. Make an appointment and um, I'll give you a list of things you need to bring in. But start making that list of questions and we'll go from there.
1: You know, Chuck, before we drop drop off the line with you, I will tell you, I'm never allowed to mention client names and so forth on the air and whatever. But I know personally, I've got a list of of maybe a hundred who were just like you who have been with us through these years and they started where you were (laughs) and they are now holding on to that fishing pole. That's (laughs) right. (laughs) It's definitely doable. Uh, And you can hold
2: on to that fishing pole along the way.
6: Amen to that. Well, thank you guys. I will definitely be giving you a call. It's time time that I stopped the waiting for tomorrow and do it today. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Right.
3: Thank you, and you have a wonderful week. This is Deborah Lewis. Our number at the office is 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000. It's important, Doug, to to
2: look at the big picture and to get an education about what are the funds that you should have in your portfolio and why what is your risk tolerance right yeah and what are the charges and it, you know a lot of, many f- folks that come in to see us sometimes they've come to see us because they were very unhappy with their last advisor and in some cases they've never worked with an advisor maybe they inherited some money or maybe an event happens like Dad's gotta to go to the nursing home, we've got to make some decisions to save We're hearing a lot of those. Home. The sandwich oh, generation questions. All kinds of situations that are coming up. But the the problem is either there's not a full disclosure by some of the people out there that are quote giving advice about what they're selling, and so people are in the dark. Or People are, are just diligently working and they've invested their money but have no clue what are the fees being assessed to their portfolio, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Another one of the things along the line of those who are still working are the 401Ks because the 401Ks, a lot of people are over-contributing, thinking they're helping themselves just because they've been told that it saves taxes, and that's not a right answer very often. Sometimes you're hurting yourself by contributing too much to your 401 k
2: So whatever these kinds of questions to all of our listeners, jot them down and work with a certified financial planner. You can call us at Lewis Financial Management. We'll be happy to see what your situation is, and then we can send you an introductory packet, and we can assist you with... Addressing your financial planning
1: issues. There's a lot of major issues that are going to be affecting people. A lot of downsizing of jobs and things like that. That has to be looked at proactively.
2: And many of our uh, senior citizens that are approaching 70 70 and a half are going to be making sure that they are taking their required minimum distribution.
1: You know, there's a 50 percent penalty, Linda. There's a 50% tax penalty if you don't get the right amount out after you're 70 and a half. That required minimum distribution. If you miss that by any amount, you get hit by a 50% penalty.
2: So it's important to work with your advisor or your retirement uh, be- benefits uh, people to make sure that you get the calculation that you should take out Mm-hmm. and not get penalized.
1: Yeah, there's so many issues that are in front of people right now. That uh, you 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 sort of go in circles. You come right back to the question of, well, with all the tax changes, do I need to do something about my estate? Whatever happened to my to the to the trust in my in my 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 living trust? Do I need to make a change? And yes, there are some changes that have to happen. But if you don't look at them, playing the ostrich game, putting your head in the sand, certainly isn't going to solve anything.
3: So work with a certified financial planner and call us. We can help you. If you need help, call me, Deborah Lewis, 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000. Everyone have a great
0: week.